Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yudzayin. Today's shoes for Rafu Shleima of Yitzchak Yehuda ben Miriam and Chai Chaika Bas Baba Michla. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, we got up to the fifth last line of Tezayin Amud Beis, 16b. So it says, so remember we were discussing, um, we got onto a little bit of a side discussion about uh, the certain. Uh, Certain nations and the Jews being persecuted in Golos. Uh, and so he said, Tziva Hashem the Yaakov, Tziva Sarov. Hashem commanded regarding Yaakov, regarding B'day Israel, that those surrounding it will oppress it. So Amar Abnachman Kagon, Humniya Lefum Nahara. Rav said, This is for example how the people of Humniya oppressed the Jews of Pum Nahara. Um, I saw the easiest explanation is as Artkrol explained, based on um, the Gomorrah which parallels the Sinkidushin. And Rashi there is that when the, um, Humnia was people from Ammon, and basically the Jews who are the, the nations that lived around the Jews in Eretz Israel, Hashem made it Allah part of Golos is that they were also exiled to nearby towns where the Jews stayed. So, for example, here you had the Ammon, the, um, the people from Ammon, just as they oppressed the Jews when they lived next door in Eretz Israel, they were also exiled to Humnia, which was near Pumnahara, and they oppressed them there. Now this is, Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav Asi, a non-Jew who performs Kiddushin nowadays, you have to be concerned that it's a valid Kiddushin, who in case he is from one of the ten tribes. We know Sancheirev exiled the ten tribes. Um, it's a big discussion exactly what happened to them nowadays. There's certain Gomorrahs which allude to them having been returned um, in the days of Yirmiyahu, but very learn that's just a minority. Okay, so it's not so clear what happened, but this Rabasi says in the name of Yehuda that if any non-Jew goes up to a Jewish woman and says, you have to be concerned. Maybe he's actually a Jew. Maybe he's from the ten tribes. And then it would be a valid Kiddushin. So, says, why would you say that? We have a principle. Uh, one of the ways of dealing with the Sophic is if he separates from the majority... You, anything, uh, he's not in his place, you assume he's from one of the majority. Now, most people in the world are not Jewish. So if a person walks up to a Jewish girl in the street and says, and you're not sure whether he's a non-Jew or from the ten tribes, you can assume he's from the majority, which is a non-Jew. So why do you have to worry? He says, no, it's a place where they are fixed. It's from a city, an area where we know the ten tribes were exiled to. So a city that we know, majority, many of its residents used to be from the ten tribes. That's the concern here. And now we're going to just uh, enlighten us on those areas. The Omer Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana. Rabbi Abba Bar Pardon? Last line of Tezayin Amud Beis. The Omer Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana. 16b. Kind of a... They were, he settled them, Sancheir settled the ten tribes in these cities. And now it's just going to give the explanation of those cities according to how they would have known in the times of the Gomorrah, so it's not going to help us that much, but what, we, what is its surrounding city? So, Amar Shmuel, Krach, Moishte, Chida, Kudumki, those four places. 
So if a man from one of those places does Kiddushin to a Jewish woman, you have to be concerned that maybe it's actually a valid marriage because maybe he's not Jewish, he's an actual Jew. Now, Rashi, I'll, I'll, yeah, explain it. Rashi explains that according to Ravasi, a child from a Jew and a non-Jewess, uh, so a nochris, a non-Jewish woman, so between a Jewish man and a non-Jewish woman, um, the child is a mamzer. And therefore, you have to be concerned about any of these people from these areas that not only might they be Jewish, but they're probably mamzerims. Because the ten tribes intermarried. So any, so, the, so, the, so therefore, it's worse, in a way, it's worse than a convert. Because if a person converts, then they can marry a regular Jew. But if a person's a mamzer, then they can only marry another mamzeris or much more limited who they can marry. So the people from these areas, their, what's it, their lineage is, is very tainted. So that's Rebbe Asi's opinion. Again, not we, as we'll see a bit further, but we hold that you go after the mother. If the mother's Jewish, then the child will be Jewish. And if the mother's not Jewish, then the child will, not, will be not Jewish. But Rav Asi holds like the opinion that a child of a non-Jewish woman and a Jewish man is actually Jewish, but it's a mamzer. He's a mamzer. Then it says, Omer Biyoichanan, Vukulan Lipsu. All of them are possible. So Rashi explains Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan holds like we hold that a Jewish woman, that a child from a non Jewish woman is not Jewish. So if they converted, they wouldn't be a mamze, they would be a convert. So how does he explain Rabbi Yochanan when he says, Vukulan Lipsu? He says they weren't careful um, with incest. So any Jew, there was a lot of incest amongst the people of those cities, and therefore the genealogy is assumed to be Mamzer. So again, Ravashi's concern was that there were children born from non-Jewish women, and therefore they're Mamzerim. And Rabbi Yochanan says, no, then they would be not Jewish, but the concern is that the Jews who lived there were very incestuous, and therefore they're most likely Mamzerim, and you have to be concerned that they're Mamzerim anyway. Now the Gemara goes back to the initial story. So Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rav Asi, that if a non-Jew performs Kiddushin, it, you have to be concerned that it's a valid Kiddushin. So he says, When I told this before Shmuel, Your son born from a Jewish woman is called your son. But a son born from a non-Jewish woman is not called your son. Rather, her son. So therefore, what he's saying is that you don't have to worry that those people, that a Jew born from a, a child born from a non-Jewish woman is Jewish. This is based on the Pasuk in Devarim uh, Rashi, brings it in short, but it says, you're not allowed to marry a non-Jew, your daughter should not marry his son, and his daughter should not marry your son. And then it says, Kiyosir bin Chomeacharai, he, I the father, will cause your child to stray from me. Now, why is that? Because if your daughter marries a non-Jew, the child is a Jew, but he'll be raised like a non-Jew. He'll be drawn away from Hashem. Unlike the flip side, if your son marries his daughter, marries a non-Jewish woman, the child's not Jewish. So he's not being drawn away from Hashem, the child. He's already not Jewish. So that's that's the source. Yeah, Omar Avina, 
so not so clear exactly what Ravina is adding, but we'll take it for granted that he, he's explaining the Joshua. Your grandson who's born from a non-Jewish man, I but your, your daughter is called your son, would be a Jew, would be a Jew. Oh, sorry, I missed the line, but he says, What about daughters of the ten tribes? Who married non-Jewish men? And Ravina taught us that if the son, if it's from a non-Jewish man and a Jewish woman, it is your son. He is considered Jewish. So Gemir, we have attrition. Tabansa, Tahu Darit, it's Taruye, it's Toru. The wombs of the woman of that generation, it seems through the pain of Golos or whatever, their wombs ruptured and they weren't able to have children. So now we can now we understand. Uh, Better why Rabbi Yochanan wasn't concerned for the children being from a Jewish, a non-Jewish man and a Jewish woman because of this tradition that the, the Jewish women of that generation weren't able to have children. Therefore, they um, oh sorry, Rabbi Yochanan wouldn't have held for that this tradition because Rabbi Yochanan said we concerned for incest and that the children were mamzerim. Yeah, says, um, Shmuel says, no. The Chazal at that time, they sat down and they didn't move until they decreed all the Jews born at that time non-Jews. Right? So that you, because then you save all these problems of Mamzerim, you don't know they're Mamzerim, and even if they convert, well, then they were really Mamzerim, not converts, so you run into a whole lot of trouble. So they somehow, it seems through Nebuah, through some special, uh, I don't know, merit or power, they were able to declare all the Jews non-Jews. Because in general, if a Jew, even a Jew who lives as a non-Jew, or who becomes an apostate, they're still considered Jewish, and their children would be Jewish, their condition would be effective, and all these halachas that are very different, that it's, it's quite a difficult, quite an extreme measure they took that they, and, the, and their power that they could sit down, make a decree that the Jews of those ten tribes, all their children were considered non-Jews. You know, the, you know, the phrase often used is Yisrael, Yisrael, a Jew, even if he sins, he's still a Jew. You know, so it's a big discussion of, um, in general... Yosef Rav Yosef Achurid Rav Kahana Yosef Rav Kahana Kamei de Rav Yehuda Rav Yosef was sitting before behind Rav Kahana and Rav Kahana was sitting before Rav Yehuda but Yosef the Kamar and he said Atirin Yisrael Zaavdi Yom Tuvah Kichor Veitarmud In the future the Jews will make a Yom Tov when, when Tarmud is destroyed Remember we mentioned on the previous page that Tarmud was a place of whose lineage was terrible it was very suspect it was um, stemmed from all the problem, problematic uh, unions says, but wasn't Tarmud destroyed? says, no, who Tamud have It was Tamud that was destroyed, not Tarmud. says, Ravashi Omar, Hainu Tarmud, Hainu Tamud. Ravashi says, no, Tarmud and Tamud are the same place. However, Ichbuluhu de Michbal, it replicates itself. When you come and destroy Tamud from this side, they would resettle it on the other side. And if you destroyed it from that side, they would resettle it on the other side. So it was never properly destroyed. Yosef Rav Amnuna came into Ula. Rav Amnuna was sitting before Ula Vokohavi and they were discussing sugya. So, oh my, 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 my
Ma Gavro, Ma Gavro, Ma Guvrayu. Look at this amazing Talmud Chor. Rav Amnuna Ra'ula said, Wow, you're a phenomenal Talmud Chacham. He loved Harpanya Ma'asya if only you didn't come from Harpanya. Harpanya was an area with, a t- with terrible lineage. So I thought maybe there's two possibilities. Is he saying that like, if not for coming from such a lowly place, he would have reached even higher levels? Or I was thinking, maybe you'd be a fantastic shidduch, except look at the area you come from. You've got to be suspect of your uh, lineage. So he says, yes, if he, um, he grew very, he got very embarrassed. He says, So he says, okay, he saw he was embarrassed. He says, okay, where do you pay your taxes to? So he says, He says, I'm really, um, what did I have, uh, kind of dual citizenship. Granted, I'm dwelling there. I still pay taxes to Pumnahara. He says, oh, If that's the case, we can actually say that you're from Pumnahara. You're not from... Harmonia, Harpanya, you're from Pumnahara. Um, yeah, I saw Archibald give a, a very nice explanation to this. They said when Ula said, oh, what a pity where you're from, and he saw how embarrassed uh, Rav Hamnuna was, that highlighted that Rav Hamnuna was not a mamzer, did not have bad lineage, because it's a tradition that mamzerim are very brazen. So he realized that, wait, I've embarrassed someone unfairly, I've put his, I've ruined his chances of a good shiuf, so I'm going to repair it. I said, wait, actually, let's really determine where you considered a citizen from. Um, yeah, interesting uh, discussion. I think there's a lot more to analyze how we could just uh, blaze in. Maybe Rabbi Muna had uh, good record, genealogy records. How could he like, just uh, embarrass him or degrade him just because of where he came from? And then to change it, says, oh, wait, where are you paying taxes to? Okay, fine. Obviously, you're a resident of that place. Does it? Do you go by where you live, or you, which government you're paying taxes to? Okay, then the Gemara asks, "My Harpanya, what? What's the? Well, I guess almost what's the word Harpanya telling us about the place? It's the mountain where all the psulim turn to. Anyone who has tainted lineage, so they'll struggle to find a shidduch in a regular city. They go to Harpanya. It says, Anyone who doesn't know their family or their tribe, nifnel Sham goes there. Omar Rav, over here, Amukam Yishol, it's deeper than Sha'ol, Shenema Miyad Sha'ol, Evdom, Mimoves Egolem. He says, from Sha'ol, uh, we tend to say Sha'ol is like Gehenna, but people will be redeemed from Gehenna. The ilu psul didu, leis luta konta, but the psulim of Harpanya, there's no solution. I, there's no way to, what's it, um, clear, fix up. And is the genealogy of those who come from Harpanya. Says The psulim of Harpanya stem from the psulim of Meishan. And the psulim of Tarmud from the servants of Shlomo. Remember, we mentioned that Shlomo servants who were non-Jews, they were slaves, married a whole lot of Jewish women because they had good status, good money, and therefore, I mean, that was slaves and Jewish women. A union which was Sulim, and so those, so each city that we mentioned was a lower degree, a lower degree, a worse degree, a worse degree of uh, ruining of, of bad lineage. Behind the Omri Inchi, and this is what people say: Whether it's a large measure or a shawl, a small measure, they all roll into Sha'ol, when we Sha'ol the Tarmud, and from Sha'ol they go, from Sha'ol they go to Tarmud. Ah, it's the worst of the, the people of Tarmud are the worst of the worst. And we Tarmud with Lameshan, and even worse than Tarmud is Lameshan, or Meshan Laharpanya, and from Meshan Laharpanya. So the gravity that takes these people lower and lower and worse and worse in their 
lineage is uh, takes them from one city to the next, from Tar- from Sheol to Tarmut to Meshan to Harpanya. Okay, Hadranlo Chamesh Esrei Noshim, Hadranlo Chamesh Esrei Noshim, Chamesh Esrei Chamesh Esrei Noshim. In Kiddushin, we'll discuss in more detail the Sulim and uh, what, when you have to suspect the person, what, who, what, the different levels of lineage, mums and the sin, etc. So we'll leave more of the discussion to there. Okay, let's start the second parak. The second parak starts, What's the case of Remember, in the first mission we mentioned 50 Marayos that a brother could end up marrying and therefore if he dies, that ever would fall to his brother. And obviously we said, you don't do Yibum. The Kohats also don't do Yibum. Interestingly enough, with Aishas Ochev Shalom what's unique, they point out that what's unique about it, that we're discussing it specifically, is um, it, uh, yeah, it's only this that it's sorrow is also the sorrow of only manifests itself in the second yibum, as we'll see in the case now. Mostly a brother dies and his wives fall to yibum. That's where and that's where you notice of oh, the air of a problem kicking in. But by the problem primarily kicks sorrow sorrow only kicks in at the second yibum. So let's see that inside. It says Shnei Echot. If you had two brothers and one of them died. But let me say it outside. So you have three brothers. Well, you have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, and then Reuven dies. So his wife falls to Yibum. Before doing Yibum, Levi, a third brother, is born. So now Levi was never alive at the same time as Reuven. And Reuven's, the Yavoma, Reuven's wife, is waiting to do Yibum. Now she can't do Yibum to Levi. She becomes Osir to Levi as Aishas Achi's brother's wife. But, and Shimon then does Yibum to her. So Shimon's done it. Then Shimon dies and he leaves over a few wives. So he has this erva to Levi, this Aishas Ochib Shilohoyobo Ruben's wife who Shimon did Yibum to. And he has another Tsara, a co wife. That co wife is also also to Levi when Shimon dies as the co wife of a Tsara's erva. So that is um, that's the case. It says, <laughs> If you had two brothers and one of them died, <coughs> and then another brother was born, and then the second brother, I we said Shimon in our, in our example, did Yibum to the wife of his brother, and then Shimon died. Shimon's first wife goes, or this, sorry, this, yeah, this, uh, this, uh, this wife, Reuben's wife, who's now married to Shimon, goes free because of Aisha's The Shnia and his co-wife, Mishum Sarasa, as the co-wife of an erva. However, if he did Mamar, if Shimon did Mamar, what's Mamar? Mamar is Kiddushin for Yibum. Really, Doraisa, when doing Yibum, the man is just sleeps with the, the Yavoma, and then that's Yibum. But Rabbanan, there's what's called Mamar, it's the equivalent of Kiddushin. So you do Kiddushin, and then Yibum. That's only Rabbanan. So if Shimon did Mamar, it's as if he's semi-married 
to the Yavama. Now what does that mean? That Shimon's other wives are semi tsaras are kind of co-wives to to Levi. And therefore, also This Sarasa has to do Khalitza but not Yibum. She can't do Yibum because through Mamar it kind of made her the co-wife of Aishas the wife of the deceased brother, who was never in the world at the same time. And she can't go free because Doraisa, there was no Mamar isn't a real marriage, so she should. This, so it's as if Shimon was never ever married or done Yibum to Ruvain's wife, and therefore his wife, where he subsequently dies, should fall to Yibum. So she can't do Yibum because of the Drabon and Mamar, the marriage. She can't do, go free, so she has to do Chalitza. That's what Chalitza is, the Loi Mitzvah Okay, Omar and Nachman, my Madatani, there were two versions. I was, Al's version in the mission is Harishoina Yoitsa Mishum Aishas Ochim Shalahoyo Ba'olamo, Vashniya Mishum Tsarasa. The first woman goes free because of Aishas Ochim Shalahoyo Ba'olamo. She was married to Ruvain and Levi was never alive when Ruvain was alive. And the second one goes free because as the co-op of her. So Rav Nachman says, the one who teaches like Al Mishnah, Rishon, Elam Mishnah, and Mandatani Shnia, the one who says the second wife is the one who goes free as Aishas Ochim Shalahoyobah Mo. And the first wife, because of Tzoros, Elam Mishnah, is also not making a mistake. Ah, you can, the other wording can fit in with the Mishnah. He says, Mandatani Rishon, the one who says, Rishon, Elam Mishnah, is not making a mistake. Why he says, my Rishon, Rishon, the woman who felt to Yibum first, I Ruven's wife fell to Yibum first, and Shnir and Mandatani Shnir, the one who taught Shnir, is also not making a mistake. Um, the one who taught Shnir is also making a mistake. Ma Shnir Shnir Linisuyim, Shimon's second wife. I because Shimon was married, and then Ruven died, so he married his second wife. Ruven's his brothers, he did Yibum on Ruben's wife, his second wife. But Moles says, what do you mean it's his second wife? He says, Moles, are we not dealing a case where Shimon could have first done Yibum and then later on married a second wife? Where do you see that it has to be the case where he did Yibum, where he was married and then he did Yibum, that he's saying it's the second one, maybe he did it the other way around. He did Yibum, then a few months or years later he did, he married another woman. He says, no, Ella, the second marriage. I, she was married to Ruvain, she did Yibum, and now she's married to Shimon. Okay, so both versions of that in the... Both of those versions work. Now he says, Where do we see in the Pasuk that is written? I, where is it also? Because if you think about it, what Yibum... Generally, Aishas Ochiv, your wife's, your brother's wife, is Osir as one of the Harayos. Yibum comes and pushes that away. So where do we see that for Yibum to push it away, to over, you know, to push it away, that it has to be with the brother who was alive at the same time as the brother, as the brother who died and his wife fell to Yibum. Where do you see that? Maybe, why can't Yibum push away Isra Eishasach and she can subsequently fall to the brother who was born after the first brother died? Why not? So he says, no. Omar of Yudah, Omar, 
Rav, Rav Yudas and Amarav, Omar Krotz are on the following parts. It says, Ki Ejvu Achim Yachtav, when two brothers dwell together. It says, Yeshiva Achas Ba'ilam, Prat Laishas Achim Shalom Hoya Ba'ilamo. It says, where the brothers dwell in the world together. Yachtav, together, and Yeshiva, um, or Yeshiva, they, they dwell together in the world, which excludes Aishas Achim Shalom Hoya Ba'ilamo. Yachtov, he then, so, sorry, so that's from the word yeshiva, they dwell together. Then it says, Yachtov, miyuchodim benachala, that they connected in nachala, prat la'achim ina'im, which excludes paternal brothers. Uh, we know yibum works between, sorry, it excludes maternal brothers. Yibum works between brothers from the same father. So, again, if we, we know Yaakov, let's take his family. Because so Ruvain and Shimon, and not only that, Yosef and Binyamin, even though they have uh, different mothers, they consider brothers for Yibum. However, if, let's take Yaakov out of the picture, and let's say they shared the same mother, so let's say Ruvain, uh, they, yeah, Ruvain and Shimon were from Leah, who was married to Yaakov, and Levi and Yehuda were from Leah when she was married to uh, Asaph. Let's, or whoever, then even though they share the mother, they have different fathers, they not can't, they can't, they don't do yibum. That's why, because it says yachtov, which alludes to meyucharim benachala, they share they share nachala. Prat which excludes the brothers from the mother's side. So that's the first source. Rabbi Yudah Marab says the first source is ki yashvu achim yachtov. Says Rava Omar Rava says Achim in Av Yolif. How do we know that it has to be? Sorry, and and yeah, Yachtov tells us that it's mothers from the. It has to be brothers who share a father. Says Rava Rabba Omar Rabba says Achim in Av Yolif. Achva Achva. We learn from two different psukim where it says Achim Achim Ibnei Yaakov. It says, but I mean in Yibum it says Ki. Um, Sorry, the passage we started with is Ki Yoshvu Achim Yachtav. And by Yaakov's son, it says, um, they told Yosef, we're 12. Um, Your 12 servants are brothers. Achim. So it says Achim by the sons of Yaakov, and it says Achim by Yibum. It says, Ma'alahalan. Just as there it's from the Ave, not from the Aim, so too here. But why don't you learn it from the Arayos? It says, um, it says, it says, Achim Ba Yibum, and it says, Aishes of Chicha, your brother's wife, by Arayos, but, but that refers to whether he's. You're not allowed to marry your brother's wife, whether he's your half-brother from your father or your half-brother from your mother. So why does it specify? Um, so why, maybe that's where we should learn Achim from. How do you know to learn Achim from the sons of Yaakov to say paternal brothers and not from the Arayos? He says, no, Donim, Achim, Achim, Vain, Donim, Achim, Achicho. He says, no, we'd rather learn where the words are where the words are the same, Achim and Achim, from where they're different words. He says, my Nafkamina, where do you see that it's a problem if they're different words? It's taught in the Brice of, of the Yeshiva of Rebbe Yishmael. This is Batsaras. In the one case it says when the Kohen returns, and in the one case it says when the Kohen comes. He says, Zuhi Shiva, Zuhi Bia. We learn it's the same. We see it's totally different words, but the words mean the same thing. The coin coming back to the house with had Soras, so it's, we can make it Zayra Shava. So it's not honey, Mili, when do we use such different words? There's no similar word. 
We learn it from a word that is more similar. So when making a Zaira Shava, when you have two words, two options to make the Zaira Shava, you make the Zaira Shava to the more similar word. Why don't we learn Afa from Lot? Avraham said, we are men, we are brothers regarding Lot. Now who was Lot? Lot was Avraham's nephew. Avram's brother Haran had died, and that's why Lot was staying with Avram. So maybe we're adding, not only is it your paternal brother, but it's also your paternal nephews. I mean, there's a discussion in Rishonim, and you can analyze why. They obviously it makes a difference, but someone who says it's coming to permit your Yibu, an uncle to do Yibum, and some say it's coming to permit a, a nephew to do Yibum. I could Avram do Yibum to Lot's wives, or could Lot do Yibum to Avram's wife? Um, there is a distinction, but that's but either way, we add into the case. You know, not only can a brother do yibum, but so to a a, a nephew or an uncle could do yibum. Um, interestingly enough, that this concept of yibum we mentioned this in the introductory shear. I don't know if we mentioned it, but we see that according to I don't know what you want to call it, our ancestors, the ancient ancestors, yibum was an obvious thing. We see by Yehuda and Tamar. There, that's almost that's the first expression of Yibum. It's an, it was obvious to them. There wasn't a Torah yet, and there wasn't law yet. But it was obvious to them that if when Yehuda's one son died, that his brother should step up and um, perpetuate his name with his wife. And when he died, it should go to the third brother. And they took it even a step further. They said, any close relative, if not the brothers, which are the closest relative, then like the father, like Yehuda. And we also see by Ruth, it wasn't real. It wasn't real Yibum. But Boaz did a kind of Yibum to Rus. He redeemed it. They didn't call it Yibum, they called it redemption. But it was the same that Boaz should perpetuate his... his how was Boaz related to Machlon uh, and I don't remember, but close relatives, cousins or something like that. Um, so, so to them it was obvious that they should be this. When you want to say uh, they were very in touch with the... Uh, what's it? the mystical underlyings, the spiritual nature of the world, that a brother should take the brother's place. We discussed this a little bit in the introduction to the first year, but Yibum was obvious to them. So we know in the Torah, from Sefer Devarim, it's specifically between brothers, but it wouldn't be far-fetched to learn that it extends to nephews. They're also very close relatives. So the Gemara says, no, um, she says, Mistavrim Yimnei Yaakov, Havelelelelef, Mishum Demafni, it makes more sense that the word Achim by Yaakov is for Xerah Shava because it's extra. Because the apostle could have just said, we're 12 brothers, the son of, we're, we're 12, we're, your servants are 12, the son of our father. Oh, sons of our father, they're brothers. Why do I say, we're brothers, the son of our father? Sezuksiv, Achim. It adds in Achim, Shvamin Alafnu, yeah, we see it's extra. So it's coming to tell us, use this for the Xayra Shava. It says, oh, the, now the Gemara says, V'itzrich lemichtav Yachtov. We've had two Joshas to tell us that it's specifically paternal brothers. One was Yachtov, telling us by inheritance. Inheritance, yeah, I should have mentioned this earlier. Inheritance also only follows paternal lineage. It, got, it doesn't follow maternal lineage. So if a brother... Uh, if if a woman has two children from different husbands, the brothers, 
they don't inherit their mother. Well, I mean, they do inherit their mother, but the, the Yerusha from her current husband will go to his sons from that woman and not to the sons from the other woman. Yerusha also only follows paternal brothers. So that's the one drosha, Yachtov. And the second drosha was Achim, the Gzereshov of Achim, Achim. So why do we need both droshas? If it would have only taught Achim Havim in a Lelef Achva Achim Milot, we might have thought it's a very good suggestion to learn it from Lot, to include nephews in Yibum. Oh, but it's not extra. Makes more sense to learn it from Yaakov's sons where it's extra. He says, no, we can in this call learn it as. And actually, indeed, it is extra. Rayim. Avram could have equally taught Rayim, Uksiv Achim, and instead the Chumashrat brothers. It makes sense to say that it is, we can learn from here that it's extra. So again, it's hard to see because they're different words. Rayim kind of means friends, maybe close friends. And Achim implies, so, and Achim implies literally brothers. But Avram clearly didn't mean Achim in a literal sense as brothers because he's referring to his nephew. So therefore, we see that he's not using Achim in the technical standard, uh, standard form of brothers. So then he could have just used the word Ray in French. So this, that he used the words Achim, is actually clearly for a drosha. So Therefore the Torah says, Brother... Paternal brothers, they share, they connected in inheritance. Of the ikos of Rahmani Yachtov, have Amina the Meyachti Ba'aba Uva Imatrichi. If we would have only had the word Yachtov, I would have said it has to be sons who share a father and mother. I, when do we wave the Isra of Aishas Achfor Yibum? Only in the closest relative pro- possible, a full brother. Maybe if it's a half brother from the father's side, you wouldn't wave it. Why would you ever think that it's from a full brother? Because again, it connects it in the psukim. It connects it to inheritance, which we know is a half brother from the father is included a half brother from the father's side. She says, no, it's true. Since it's such a novel point, the Kamishari Erva Gabbe, that you're going to permit him to one of the Arayos, to Aishas his brother's wife, you might say that he has to be connected in his father and his mother. Tricha, therefore, is necessary. Okay, so this is, as I explained a little bit earlier, but again, um, granted the parish of Yibums connects it to Nachala. And we know Nachala is only through paternal brothers. But we also know that Yibum we're only permitting with the closest of relatives. And it's such a novel idea that you're going to come along and say, if any other, in any other scenario, if a man would be intimate with that, with his brother's wife, it's one of the Arayos, it's Isu Kores, that's considered uh, incest. And in this case, the Torah comes and permits it, it must be only in the closest of family uh, bonds to his brother, I a full brother and not a, fa- uh, not a half brother. And therefore, we need... Um, Achim. So that's why we need both Joshua's Yachtov and Achim. Okay, now just before we go into the next piece, um, we know that we're going to go into a discussion of what's referred to as Yesh Zikar Ein Zikar. Is there this bond or is there not a bond? Now we know that when the brother dies with our children, there is a connection, there is a connection between the brother and his Yavoma, the Yavom and the Yavoma. 
for example, if he does it against her will, the yibum still takes effect. Marriage and other such things you can't perform against the woman's will. But yibum can be performed against the will because they're already bonded. Similarly, um, she's, there's a negative commandment for her to go marry any other man besides one of her brother-in-laws. So we see Dorais, they bonded. The question is, is, a, is there a Darabonon adding on to that? So Dorais, there is a level of bonding, but that we generally refer to as Yubum, Yuvoma, etc. When we refer to the discussion of Yubum, we say, do we view it as a marriage? A semi-marriage, not a full marriage, a semi-marriage. Do we view it as, do we say, Yesh Zika, we view it as if the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law the Yavam and the Yavama are married. If they have to have a get to get divorced to separate. Well, I mean, there's Chalitza. Isn't it? Yeah, there's Chalitza. If they do, well, it, once Yibum's done, then they're a fully fledged couple. The discussion is here is when they, in that limbo stage, they haven't done Chalitza or Yibum. So we know that there is some level of bond, but the question is do we take it a step further and view it as a marriage? Yeah, a partial marriage. Obviously not a full marriage, a partial marriage. They don't need to get the thing. And ramifications of that would be, as we'll see in the Sugya, for example, a man is allowed to marry his brother's wife's mother. There's nothing wrong with that. But she's not at all related to him. However, he's not allowed to marry his wife's mother. So if you say yesh zika, you view the bond between the Yovim and Yovomo as a partial marriage, then she should become Osur, his, then his, his wife's, his Yovom, the Yovoma's mother, his semi-wife's mother should be Osur. That would be an example, I, do we view it as a semi-marriage? And over the, this, this, this point of Yesh Zika and Zika will come up for a lot through the rest of the Masechta. Again, so just to highlight, we're not discussing Doraisa that there is definitely a connection. He can do Yibum against her will. He can, uh, um, she's not allowed to marry anyone else until she's done Chalitza. So there is definitely, the question is, do Rabbonin do we view it as if there's a bond? So he says, Omar Ravuna, Omar Rav, Rav Yudha said name of Rav, Shomeres Yobam. Shomeres Yobam is a woman waiting to do Yibum. She hasn't yet done Yibum or she hasn't done Chalitza. She says, so what? Shomeres Yobam, Shemesa Mutar Ba'ama. He's allowed to marry her mother. So you have this Yobam who was going to do Yibum to the Yobama and then she died. So Rav Huna says he's allowed to marry that woman's mother. Alma, Kosovar, Ein Zika. We see he holds there's no Zika. Because again, if there was Zika, by the fact that she fell to him in Yibum, would make her mother also, because it's a partial marriage. So it must be, by the fact that he says if she dies, he can marry her mother, there's no Zika. Why doesn't he just express it as the halacha is like the one who says there's no zikah? Why did he say, a woman who died before doing yibum, the yivoma can marry her mother? Why not just say the halacha is like ein zikah? I would have said, maybe there's no zikah where there's two brothers. But if there is just one brother, there is zikah. That makes it, again, these are all other makhloikes that come up. But if you have a woman falling to two brothers, if you think about it, the zikah is very weak. 
even if you say there is a zikr, the zikr is very weak because which one does she have a zikr to is only the one that she ends up doing yibum to or chalitza to. Whereas the other brother, not really. They, yeah, they can choose. So it's, it's really open-ended. So there might be, so it's a weak zikr to each of them. Or there's maybe in a case of two brothers, there's no zikr. But in a case of one brother, where he's definitely the yavam, maybe that's where there is a zikr. So that's why he didn't want to say it like that. Because he, he didn't want to say it. Because then we would have thought, if he said the halach is like the one who says, ain't zikr, which we learn out, I don't want to go into it now, but we learn out from later on, then we would have said, maybe that's only where there's two brothers. But the, if there is one brother, there is zikr. So therefore, I've kind of phrased it in this this way to say even with one brother there's no zikr. Could, oh, could you not say that the zikr almost disappears once she passes away? Well, it's so, becoming permanent. Yeah. All, I mean, you know, she's there. She, you know. Um, let's see. Let's see a bit further and then come back to your question. This is Why don't we? Why doesn't Rav Kahana just express his halacha as there is no zikr even with where there's only one brother? No, because if you said there was in those terms, I would have thought even while the yavam is alive. Now, if we're going along the lines that there's no zikr contra Huna, and this woman's fallen in yibum to him, but it's not as if they married. There's some sort of yibum bond. She's a shomer's yavam, but there's no zikr. Why can't he marry her mother while? She's still while the Yavom, Yavom is still alive. It says, So Rav Kahan is teaching us, no, you can only marry the mother after death. And why? Because it's forbidden to cancel the mitzvah of Yavom. He has the opportunity. This woman's waiting to do Yavom to him. He has the opportunity to do Yavom to her. He's not allowed to. And I'll come back to that point again. It says, in Ba'amala, but wait, the Mishnah says that a Yavamta who dies, he can marry her sister. I, her sister, but not her mother. We know that a man's not allowed to marry his wife's sister, but if his wife, even if he's divorced, he's not allowed to marry her sister. But if she dies, he can marry her sister. So, by saying that a Yavama who died, the brother, the, the Yavam can marry her sister, is implying that there is, they are kind of married. Because he can only marry her like a sister after, but never a mother. He says, no. So no, since the ratio of that Mishnah wanted to teach, if a woman dies, he's allowed to marry her sister. The only, the only error that falls away with the death of the one who's creating it is your wife's sister. If your wife dies, you don't get permitted to your mother-in-law. And your mother-in-law, once you marry a woman, the mother-in-law is always Osir. It's specifically the mother's, um, it's specifically your wife's sister that falls away when the wife dies. Um, so that's what, uh, that's the first point I was discussing. Once it was discussing sisters and sisters, and that only applies by sister. But he could never marry his in he could marry his sister when his wife passes away. He couldn't sorry, he could marry his wife's sister when she passed away, but the mother he could never because it's Isu Doraisa, Taminami Seifa, Mutar Ba'choisa, so too in the Seifa it teaches Mutar Ba'achoisa. Yeah. So just 
Okay, so in short, we have the main point of Huna we wanted to say Nozika, he expressed it in a strange language, but that is to teach how far of Huna goes to basically say there's never a Zika. Um, your question, Ronen, about uh, um, what's it? once she dies, is the Zika not broken? So I, I think the chat is that if you say there's a Zika, as soon as the brother dies without children, there's a semi-marriage between the the uh, the Yovam and Yovama. So even if she subsequently dies, there was there was that marriage. So that would still forbid him to his mother-in-law. Again, it's only Drabonin and it's not a real marriage because it's what we call a Zika. Um, just one thing on this. So then we said that, one further point. Um, so we, then we came along and we said that um, Aisha, um, a man who has a Zika Oh, according to Rav Huna, there's no Zika. So why can't this woman falls to him in Yibum? Why can't he choose? You know what? I'm not going to do Yibum. I'm going to do marry her mother instead. We've been dating a while. I like her. I don't know her daughter. So I'm not interested in the daughter. Why can't he do Yibum? So he said because it's Mavakla Mitzvah Yibum. Because he's cancelling the Mitzvah of Yibum. Which is quite a interesting concept. Why, why, why is there this Asur? And would it, is it specifically to Yibum? Maybe Yibum is a special mitzvah because it's Mamala Aishas. It's, it's taking the place of your brother. As we saw to the earlier generations, it was an obvious thing that you should do. Take the place of your brother. We saw Sefer Achinuch mentions that you're, you're tied to your brother and Yibum to a degree makes the descendants almost half your brother's children. Um, but again, um, Yibum is very strong, so maybe specifically, what about other mitzvahs? Um, just some examples where it might apply is if you have a square garment that you need to put tzitzis on, can you round the corner? I mean, the Gemara discusses it. Can you round the corner so you don't have to put tzitzis? Or are you mavatli mitzvah tzitzis? Um, where else did it come up? Um, I just I wrote down a few examples. Yeah. Can you take, we know you, you, if you're traveling, you pot from sukkah. So can you leave a travel for sukkah so that you don't have to uh, sit in a sukkah? Again, a vatlin mitzvah sukkah. Um, where else? Um, yeah. And then what this touches on, we haven't mentioned about it, but there's a very interesting question. Let's say, so a woman falls in Yibam. She's not interested in doing Yibam, he's not interested in doing Yibam, so generally you would do chalitza. But what happens if she's not interested in getting married again? Whatever reason, she says, you know what, I was very happily married, I'm whatever, she says, I don't want to get married again. Should she do chalitza? Is there still a mitzvah of chalitza? Or is she free? Or also, she'll live bound to her brother-in-law, but it uh, doesn't affect her, she doesn't plan on getting remarried. So, so someone who brings from here, it kind of implies that it's, she must do chalitza. It's a mitzvah. She should do Yibum, and if she's not going to do the mitzvah of Yibum, well then she must do Chalitza. But uh, that's a big discussion in the Akhronim. Okay, we'll leave it there.